0: It was a tough week for uh, Corey and Amanda Marvin. They lost their grandma this week. And uh, you guys just want to stand up. And, uh, you know, Corey came to me this morning. and said, would you pray for us this morning? And I said, yes, we would pray for you guys this morning. I want you to just stretch your hands out toward Corey and Amanda right now, guys. And we're just going to pray and pray for them. It's, uh, it was their mom's mom that passed away this week. And so, Father, we're just asking for grace over Corey and Amanda today. Lord, over the whole family, Father, we thank you for their lives. We thank you, Lord, for, for, Lord, your hand upon them. And God, we just ask as they, they grieve the loss of their, of their grandmother. Lord, the Bible says, however, that uh, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. It doesn't say we don't grieve. It's just that our grief is different. We, we mourn what we lose. We mourn what we don't have anymore uh, in the tangible. But we thank you for what we have in the supernatural. And, Father, we just release uh, her into your everlasting arms. And we pray for blessing over the family, and grace, and strength, and mercy, and Father, we thank you for them. We just bless them today, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, the Bible's so clear about, you know, when, when one of us is hurting, we all hurt, right? It's the way it's supposed to be. When we got, you know, uh, something to rejoice over, we all rejoice too, right? Amen. And you know, and I think sometimes the rejoicing one's harder than the, the, the mourning one. I mean, I mean, admit it, how many times have you seen somebody blessed, you know, they're going on vacation to Hawaii, and the first thought that came to your mind was, must be? Come on. Come on. And uh, we have a hard time sometimes celebrating somebody else's blessing. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, we need to be able to do it all, right? Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. Wow. Pardon me? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. <laughs> <10-year-old> <laughs> so we laid hands on our engine on so it we
1: went to the races on uh, Saturday night and as we drove in as we drove in the Brighton raceway, um the car, you know how it rolls and dies and goes black and everything, right? So I am not a car man. I'm a modern man. Man of God. Um, so, so I said, wow. Well we'll pray. we'll deal with that after. So we went into the races and and then I thought, okay. And I just prayed that it would start, and it started. So my prayer was answered. And then I was in the line, I'm like, oh my God, I, I need I need God help me. I was not using in vain. I was praying. Get this car home. So we we booted it and we're going down the road and the headlights start going dim and the needles start going to zero and we made it to the end of English Settlement Road in Bigford. I don't know if you know, but it was about three-quarters of the way home. So we phoned a friend. He came and boosted us. He's a mechanic. He's, like, going, ah, you know, trying to get it. And we just boosted it with his battery. And then I booted it home, and I parked it there. And we didn't make it to church on uh, Sunday morning. And I said, oh, I'm going to roll it down the hill to Fast Freddy's and Caring Place. And so so, so, then Jen, so, then Jen reminds us. She says, well, have you prayed over it? And I'm like, right. So I said, <laughs> He's the God of the universe. Does it not say in the Bible that nothing is impossible with God? Nothing. Amen. Okay. So we laid hands on the car. We put oil, not STP. We used holy oil. And we, <laughs> and we, and we, and we put it on the dashboard. We, we offer up this car to you, Lord Jesus, and we call him Moses and, and Samson. John's like Samson. So we call our car Moses because he's just a leader and he gets us where we need to go. So <laughs> So we prayed on Moses, we laid our hands on their head, and we said, Holy Father God, you are the Father of the universe. There is nothing that is too mighty for you. If you can put lungs in a baby, Lord, you can put an alternator in a car. That's right. So I started that car to drive it to the mechanics on Monday morning. Not a light was on the dashboard, and I had the engine light and the ABS light and everything. There was not a light on the board. And I drove it super fast, and I was singing praise and worship songs the whole way. (laughs) Like, get me down the hill, Lord. And I said, Heavenly Father, if this has to be fixed, don't let it be more than $50. And, and, and we had a back, uh, leaky, flat tire, 10-year-old car. So um, I get to the mechanics, and I say, you know, I uh, describe it. You go, know, yeah, yeah, alternator, alternator. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, alternator. Praise the Lord. So they roll it in. They do the test. I have my little butter tart, and I'm waiting. I'm saying, Holy Father God, no, no more than $50, please. And... Uh, so the mechanic comes out, he's just going to take you for a drive. He comes back and he goes, There is nothing wrong with it.
0: Hey. Hallelujah.
1: There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so, so it was $45, and then to keep me humble, they, I had to pay $5 for the plug in the tire. So <laughs> it was $50,
0: and the car is still working weekly. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wow. Amen. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thanks, Martin. That's great. <laughs> we were having a text conversation about it this past week. And uh, God is so amazingly good. No question about it. Well, as I promised last week, I wanted to talk about dreaming in your, this morning. About dreaming with God, about your dreams. And we're going to be praying for your dreams at the end of the service, at 1130. And I got uh, kids from Mark's class coming down. And they're going to pray with mom and dads. And they're going to agree with you. So uh, we want to. We don't want you to leave until you get prayer. You hear what I'm saying this morning, okay? So um, one of the things that God showed me is that God has a vision, and we for humanity, and then we have dreams that fit into that vision. And uh, we have to ask us, what is the vision of God for humanity? What's His vision for us? What is the vision that God had when He made humanity? What is God's vision? I think it's found in Genesis. You know, you turn in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. You, if God had a vision, don't you think he'd lay it out right at the beginning? Right? He'd kind of explain it. You know, if you've got, you got a vision and you have a corporation, you start with your corporate vision. You're going to explain that. Then you're going to work your way down from there. So God had a vision, and I believe he revealed it in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, this is what uh, it says. Um, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, and let him rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, and over all the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What was God's vision? It was that he would establish a place, the earth, right? So his vision was to establish a place, the earth, and that his vision was to, uh, uh, where his image and his glory would fill that place. And what's his image and his glory? Us. We're his image and his glory. We, not the birds, not the fish, not the trees, uh, but we, his people, are made in his image. We are the reflective image of God. We are Walking, talking images of God. So he was making a place, the earth, where his image and glory, that's man and woman, would be replicated and would have dominion. That was the vision of God as he revealed it right in the first chapters of Genesis. God was trying to show us what his vision was, what his grand vision was. That's what his vision was. And we have to understand that vision before we can be able to do almost anything else. He wanted the earth to be a place, a kind of a, a another extension of his heavenly kingdom was to be this earthly kingdom. The Bible says that the heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth he's given to who? Sons of men. He's given it to us. This is ours. This is ours. Now, you could argue whether we've done a great job with it or not. But the reality is it's still ours. And then people say, well, yeah, but he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Yes, he is. And when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, who's that earth going to belong to? Us. It'll be ours. When he brings it into its full redemptive power, when all of the things about it that are, have been broken since the fall are fully fixed, it'll still be ours. Do You hear what I'm saying? And we will have dominion. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now... Uh, God had made this planet for us, and we all know the story how sin separated us from our, our purpose here in, on the earth, but God still had a plan, and his son, his son Jesus would come, and that His Son Jesus would become the sacrificial lamb that would pay the price for sin and would set things right. It would set things right. God's vision for His present church then is to begin to exercise a world in which things are set right are you hearing me this morning now there's some out there who have in a theology that we're going to be able to work until we make it perfect that's not what the bible says the bible doesn't teach that the bible teaches that he's the one that will eventually perfect it everybody know what i'm saying but what does it tell us to do in the meantime work towards its perfection just it's, it's, if you want to look at it, the, the world is a, is a macro of our own personal journey, right? Not one of us in here is perfect yet, but what are we being? Perfected, right? And one day we will be made perfect. One day we will get an eternal body. One day we will, will be fully restored. But right now, in the meantime, what is God doing with us? He is perfecting us. Are you hearing me this morning? And that's what he's doing with his earth as well. He's perfecting it. And how does he do it? He does it through who? Us. God's vision. That's his desire. That we would embrace the kingdom and our role in it and that we would share in the good news wherever we go. We would establish his glory wherever we go and that we would indeed uh, begin the process that he is going to complete. And that's what the church has been doing since the time of Christ. The 12 disciples, they went out and they began to do it. And they had such influence in the world, they turned the world upside down. And the church has been doing it and been doing it. And if you look everywhere where the church has, has uh, had influence and where God has genuinely been poured out, it has changed and shifted culture. And God has been moving over and over and over again throughout creation. Amen? That's God's vision. Because that's the vision of God, it leaves God with a vulnerability. God is vulnerable. I think there's only one place where God's vulnerable. I think God is vulnerable to our desires, to our heart. It leaves God. because God's prize glory is us, and his, his plan is for us to fill this place with His glory, then God has a certain vulnerability to us as people. He created us to be like Him. And what does that mean? Does that mean that if we see God, He's going to have five fingers on one hand and five on the other and 10 toes? I don't know. Uh, you know there's lots of debate about that. Does it matter? What it really means is that we are able to love. We're able to be kind. We're able to exercise grace and mercy. We're able to to do all of the good things of God. We have been made with the capacity to do those things. And so God has created us with that capacity. And because he's created us that way, because we're made in his image, and because of his great love for us, he's vulnerable to our desires. How many parents do I have here? Let me see your hands. Come on, if you're a parent, let me see your hands. How many know as a parent you're slightly vulnerable to your kid's desires? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, come on. I don't know about you, but I was very vulnerable to my kid's desires. And I remember we used to say my daughter in particular could wrap dad right around her finger, right? I mean, she'd just have to look at me with those eyes, and they just looked like they were about to well up with tears, and to be like, "Okay, anything you want, sweetheart," you know. And uh, we have a vulnerability as parents to our children, don't we? And they know, and as they grow up with it, they learn how to exploit it, don't they? (laughs) Don't they? They learn how to work that thing so that they can uh, get the thing they desire, right? And, uh, you know, and, and we only hope That our values and the things that are important in the kingdom, we pass them on to them. So that as they continue to manipulate us and twist us, they're doing it for the right purposes and reasons. Amen? And uh, because we're vulnerable to our kids. And God made us that way. When we're vulnerable to our children's desires, who are we being like? Hello! You beginning to get it now? God is also vulnerable to our desires. The Bible says he delights in doing good things. For his children. In other words, he gets a kick out of it. It lights him up. Tommy loves to do good things for you. It lights him up. You hear me? Jim, do you believe that? He loves doing good things for you. Sarah, he loves doing good things for you. He loves it. It, it, it lights God up. The Bible says if your earthly dad knows how to do good things for you, how much more will your heavenly father do good things for them that ask? So God is completely vulnerable to the desires of our heart. And, you know, because we're His children, we're part of His family. And when you're part of a family, that's where that vulnerability comes in. And God has, has a heart that is vulnerable to His children. And He loves to do good things with us. You have to realize that He also likes to spend time with you. I think, you know, sometimes we're convinced that God's no more interested in me than the man in the moon. God loves to spend time with you. He delights in, in you. Hello? It, it lights him up to, to uh, sit down with you, to have you come around the, the table, so to speak, and, and talk to him about your dreams and, and all the things that are in your heart. And, and I, th- I think we have to understand that we're part of his family and that he likes to spend time with us. Right? God wants you to pick up his vision and to live out your dreams in the context of his vision. And that's why we've been talking about rethinking our view of our relationship with God so that we see ourselves as family, sitting with God in the living room, discussing the kingdom, the family business, right? Rather than looking at our relationship with God as one where He's this authoritative figure and He's just telling you what to do and giving you marching orders all the time. I think that's an image of God that we've developed in our Western mind that is not very biblical, because all of the images of God that he, he brings to us are about family or about relationship. He's a relational, loving God. And now we discover this morning he's actually vulnerable to my desires. Why? Because he's my father and I'm his child. That's why. That's why. Bill Johnson, he said this, and I, when I read this quote I thought it was fantastic. He said, the covenant friends of God throughout history all seem to have a common awareness of God's expectation that they be involved in the demonstration of His will, influencing the outcome of a matter. And when I read that, I was like, wow. And it's true. If it's, if it's true of friends of God, how much more true is it of... Are you getting me this morning? If your friends can work you, how much more can your kids work you? Right? If your friends can pry your heart and ply your heart, then how much more can our children do the same? Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Praise God. He wants you to be a part of His decisions. He wants you to be a part of His process of fulfilling His will, His vision here on the earth. He wants you to be part of it. He wants you to be engaged in it. He wants you to be engaged in it with Him. You remember Solomon? Right? God said to Solomon, and Solomon was at best, a friend of God, Old Covenant, right? We've talked about this. And, and he said to Solomon, whatever you want, right? That's how vulnerable God was to this man who had set his affections upon him. He said, whatever you want. And then Solomon said, well, God, I'd, I'd like wisdom, right? And God said, because you asked for that, I'll give you that and then more, right? Do you guys remember the story? Okay. So if, if, God, if God spoke that way to Solomon, how much more does he speak to us? Amen. We have been given the, the, the wish of Solomon and, and much, much more. Much, much more. Everybody say much more. I want to read some scriptures to you, okay? I want you to hear these. Put your listening ears on, okay? Now, if I was making this stuff up, it would sound unbelievable, but I'm not. I'm just reading it right out of the Bible, okay? So here's what it says. John 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. That's just some prosperity preacher made that up. Nope, that was Jesus said that. Jesus, I just, I'm just i reading it right out of the Bible, okay? All right, here's another one for you. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, that what it says? Thomas, is that what it says in your Bible? It is red. So it says mine. It's red, it's red too, right? So everybody knows the red's more important, right? If you see it in the red, that's more important, because that means Jesus said it, right? So, if, you know, I remember Glen said he got saved and he said he was just praising the Lord and reading the red. That's what he was doing. And, uh, and at first I had no idea what he was talking about. Then I got a red letter edition of the Bible and said, now I know what he means. You know, reading the red, reading the red. All right, let me read another one, another one. John 14, verses 12 to uh, 14. If you tell, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Is that, is that the words of Jesus? I'm telling you. Whoo! Come on, here's an one. John 16, 23 and 24. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. He was telling the disciples, now you're coming to me, and you're saying, give me bread, give me fish, or whatever. But he said, when I go to be the Father, you'll just ask the Father in my name, and bam! That's what it says, right? That's what it says. Those are strong words. Strong words. Wow. Love those passages of Scripture. For us to really understand what Jesus has offered the church in these verses, and many, 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 many more, then any cheap and shallow understanding of what it means to be followers of Jesus has got to be done away with. You can't have, you can't, if, if you're going to read those verses, and all your relationship with God is, is slot machine mentality. I put in a quarter, we'll call it a prayer, and out pops the answer. Every one of those scriptures is true, but what are they rooted in? relationship they're rooted in us getting into relationship with God and then being sons and being daughters and being family and God being so vulnerable to our desires that he can't say no are you hearing me this morning it's not those verses were not given to us so that we would treat God like an an eternal slot machine or or a vending machine No, that's not what God wants. In fact, that kind of of Christianity where where the only time you ever go to God is because when you want something. He finds that annoying. What he wants is a continuous relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship. And in the midst of relationship, it is so hard for you to say no to loving, adorable children. Right? Isn't it? And that is the relationship God wants each and every one of us to have. We're not puppets on a string. And he's not some senile, doting grandfather. Right? This is a relationship. And when we uh, go to him in relationship, then God basically, he says this. He said, my child, if it matters to you, then it matters to me. If it matters to you, then, then it matters to me. If it's important to you, it's important to me. Are you hearing me this morning? So listen again to the verse that we talked about last week and and a couple weeks before that. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, we talk all the time in the church about how important it is to go after God and be passionate about God and find out what God wants and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times in the midst of it, we miss the second half of that verse, that God does want us to go after Him. He does want us to pursue His heart, and He does want us to seek Him. But the second half of that verse says that God is just as interested in hearing what's in your heart. And that, that, that is so hard for us to comprehend. But again, if you bring it back to the context of family, it makes sense. I want my kids to know my heart. I want my kids to share my vision. I want them to share my passion. I want them to grow up with the same values. I want them to grow up with the same uh, desires, and I want those to be their desires. But then, as they live that out, and that is exactly what they become, guess what I love? I love sitting down, especially with my adult children, and hearing their dreams. When they say something like, you know, we want to build a house, or we want to do this, or we want to do that, I'm like, yes, yes absolutely. Tell me more. And I rejoice with them. I get excited with them with their plans and with the things they're doing. Do you understand that that is a more accurate picture of our relationship with God than so many of the stoic versions we have of this God sitting in the sky and just going lightning bolts, poof, 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 uh, and and treating us all like like little pieces on a chessboard, manipulating us and twisting us to his, his ends. That's not God. We're family. Everybody say, we're family. Family. We're family. And because we're family, I want to know his heart. I want to know Papa's heart. I want to know what what makes the heart of God tick. And he wants to share that with me. And then he wants to hear, Kevin, what would you like to do? Now, you could say, well, he already knows what I want to do. Because he knows everything. Sure. Okay. Go all theology on me. You're missing the whole point. The point is that he enjoys hearing your heart. He enjoys it. If he didn't enjoy it, why bother praying? He already knows what you're thinking anyway. Why do we pray? Cuz he likes hearing from you. He enjoys it. Just like you, I enjoy hearing from my grandchildren. Doesn't matter if the conversation's even intelligent or not. I just enjoy hearing from them. They just sit there and they're telling me all this stuff. And then, and then this pa, happened, ha, Papa. And then this and then this. And I'm just listening. go, Oh, yeah. And I sit there and, and mesmerized with what they tell me. And it doesn't matter if it makes a lick of sense or not. But then as they get older, the stories make more sense. The things are more close to their heart. And I listen with greater intensity and with greater desire to see those hearts fulfilled. That's how it is with our Father. That's how He works with us. Amen. We have to understand that the true child of God is part of the family of God, and together, everybody say together, and together they exchange dreams with the Father that will change the world. We exchange dreams with the Father, and those are the things that change the world. Those are the things that change and shift the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, a few years ago, I discovered uh, something else that I want to share with you this morning. And... uh, one of the truths that I've under, come to understand is that we become like the one that we worship. Right? If, you, uh, you know, if your worship is God, then you'll become more like God. But if your worship is some other thing, some earthly person, you're going to become like them. And, uh, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Because many of the idols we set up in our lives are not particularly good. Someone say amen. And uh, you know this line of thinking that we're talking about, uh, often people think that this kind of thinking is an assault on the sovereignty of God, which I just alluded to. And, uh, and that this isn't going to work because, you know, God is sovereign. But I think that God's sovereignty is not threatened by my assignment and my cold labor with Christ. I don't think He's threatened by it at all. Someone say amen. amen. I don't think He's threatened by it at all. Jack Hayford says it this way. He said, God's so secure in His sovereignty that He's not afraid to appear unsovereign. Do you get that? He's so secure in his sovereignty, that he, he's, not, he's not afraid if he appears unsovereign by, you know, being compelled and vulnerable to the desires of your heart. Doesn't affect him one bit. Well, then I learned this. The word desire, all right, duh meaning of, and sire meaning father or to father, right? So when you look at the word desire, what does it mean? It means of the father. <laughs> I read that and I was like, wow, that, yeah. your desires are of the Father. Why do you think he says then, delight yourself in me and I will give you the desires of your heart? Because your desires are of the Father. Because the more you delight in him, the more you become like him. You become like the one you worship. So when you worship him and you become like him, he can give you the desires of your heart because they're already of the Father. That's pretty good stuff right there, isn't it? Don't change that yet? That's good stuff. Come on now. Whew! Of the Father. My desires are of the Father. <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus, to get this straight in our spirit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, therefore, here's, here's the rub. Here's the question then should not be, are my desires from God? The question should be, with what or with whom have I been in communication or been in communion with? Who am I in relationship? If I'm in relationship with God and that's who I'm pursuing, then the first question is moot. Because my desires are of him. But if I'm not pursuing a relationship with him, then my desires are going to be of something else. That's why the verse, Psalm 37 verse 4, was a safe verse for God to extol. Because he says, delight yourself in me and then I can give you the desires of your heart. So the question becomes, who are you spending time with? If you're saying, well, things I wished for and dreamed about, they never happen. Well, who do you spend time with? Who do you spend time with? Who are you in communion with? Who Who are you aligning your heart with? Hello? If my wife wants something, all she's got to do is spend more time with me. Hello? Think about it for a minute. The more time she spends with me the more massages I get, the more favorite dinners I have laid out wonderfully for me, all those things, the more I'm vulnerable to what she wants. And then she says, you know what I think I need? And then she tells me and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, let's just go get that. She tells people all the time, I can, get, I can have whatever I want. Kevin will give me whatever I want. Right? Why? Because because I'm vulnerable to her I mean it's it, it's I might need therapy for it I don't know but I'm vulnerable to her desires if, if it's something she really wants then she's going to have it why why is it like that because God made us like that that's the way it's supposed to be in marriage and then I just have to trust that you know she's not going to take advantage of that which she may have done on an occasion <laughs> I understand what I'm saying this morning and, and, and so we have to see our relationship with God like this. After all, are we not collectively His bride? Are we not individually His sons and His daughters? Are these metaphors there for us as the language of marriage and family used by God accidentally? No, it's used purposefully. Because He wants us to see our relationship with Him like this. He wants us to understand it like this. And if we've, uh, if we've been in communion with Him, then He can give us the desires of our heart. Because desire, it's of the Father. All right. Am I making any sense to anybody? All right. I'm pretty much done here this morning. I finished a book this week uh, called The Gospel According to Starbucks. (laughs) Just saying. I picked the book up just because I love Starbucks. So I had no idea who Leonard Sweet was. I've learned stuff about him since then. I, I just saw the book on, on my Kindle, and I, it was only a buck ninety nine. I said, that book is in my library right now. And I started to read it, and I absolutely loved it. thought it was a fantastic book. And, uh, and he talks about the, one of the problems in Western religion is that we have turned our Christian relationship or our Christian uh, um, experience into a rational argument. You know, we even have a division of theology called uh, apologetics. And the whole root of apologetics is how to argue God, how to argue for God, right? And he said, and, and all of that comes out of the Reformation, which was happening at the same time as the Renaissance and, and was happening as the enlightenment of man. And, and we felt this pressure to be, for our faith to be a rational faith and an argumentable faith and all of those things, right? But, but Leonard said, listen, we're missing something. Our faith was never meant to be a good argument, it was meant to be a relationship, it was meant to be an experience. And, and his whole premise in the book is that, you know, there was lots of people drinking coffee in 1979 when they started Starbucks. Uh, Americans drank plenty of coffee, he just said it was bad coffee. And it was used just to wake you up in the morning, it was your morning jolt. He said they missed what many immigrants to the country understood, that coffee was meant to be an experience. It was meant to be something you took time making, that you, you did it properly, and then you sat down and you shared it with a friend. And then that was what the whole purpose of coffee was. And we've lost that in our Western civilization. So in 1979, they reinvented the coffee shop in, in, in the States into some place where you'd sit down and you'd enjoy it with a friend. And, and we've, we did the same thing in Canada with Tim Hortons. And it became an experience where you sit down. Now you've got Canadians all over the world. As soon as they get off a plane, what are they looking for? When they get back home, they're looking for a Tim Hortons. I don't personally understand it, but but that's what they're looking for, right? And it's the experience. It's the whole package. And that's how we have to help people understand faith. It's not that it isn't rational. It's that it needs to be understood in the context of relationship and experience. And that's what we want to lead people to. So he put this quote in his book. He said, shortly before her death, Mother Teresa of Calcutta was asked why she spent her life caring for the dying. She said, because I like doing my own thing. In this one response, Mother Teresa had captured the meaning of Augustine's famous dictum, love God and do what you will. When we share God's heart of love, our wills will be God's wills. Doing our things will be doing the divine thing. And that's what Mother Teresa had understood. She said, I like doing my own thing, but her own thing was the will in the heart of the Father. You understand what she was getting at? And she was able to communicate in that one statement the depth of what I'm trying to get across today. That if our heart, if our our delight is in Him, if our heart is in Him, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. He wants to. What's another way we could say it? God wants us to live so close to Him that we can do what we want. Right? Think about that for a minute. God wants us so close to Him that we can do what we want. I want my relationship with my kids to be so close, so tight that, that they can do what they want. And they basically do. And I'm happy with their choices and I celebrate their choices. Why? Because we have a relationship that I can say, yeah, yeah, do what you want. You see what I'm saying? And I know some people are just like, no, it can't be like that. I mean, it's not like that. And, and I missed God years ago. We talked about that last week. That God's plans are not for us. He does have plans, and He's put things in our hearts, and He's deposited stuff in our spirit, but they're not so rigid that if you you missed something 20 years ago, you could never please God again. What a bunch of nonsense. God's got things that He wants us to do, yeah. But the most important things are the things that have gripped our heart. And I know that in this room there are dreams. I know there's passions in this room. I know there's people that have had things that they've been brewing in their spirit for a long time. And God wants to bring those things to pass. He wants, He loves you. He wants to fulfill the dreams in your heart. If there's one thing about Bethel that I think that they've gotten down very well is this. And, and you know, we see the albums, we see the music, we see that aspect of Bethel, and we see you know, books and things like that have come out of it. We see the, the spiritual marketing side of it. But what we don't know are all of the other things that have come out of there that are just as impactful, just as, as much God things, but they're not directly related to ministry, so we often relegate them to not being God. But the kingdom of God and all that He has is so much bigger than just five-fold ministry gifts. And so in, in, in Bill Johnson's book, Dreaming with God, if you've never read it, it's an excellent read, he talks about so many other things that were given to people, literally dropped in their spirit, and he talks about one of the, one of the greatest best-selling crossbows in all, uh, not crossbow, but compound bow in all of America, is, is a, a company that the guy who designed it is in Bethel. And he was literally sitting in a restaurant one day when Holy Spirit dropped the design into his heart, and uh, of how all the pulleys and all that stuff work, dropped his heart and he wrote it and he designed it and he wrote it all out in a napkin. And he went back to the shop, put the thing together and it's like one of the best-selling compound bows in the entire world. Came out of Bethel. And because it was a God idea, the revenue and the the joy from it, everything that this guy wants to do is a kingdom thing. He wants to invest back money into kingdom and all that kind of stuff. But if we think all our ideas are our ideas, then our tendency is that we want to keep all the money too. Well, because it was me, God, after all, I did it myself right? But if we start to see all of those dreams as being part of God, then, then what we do with those dreams also is God. There's another couple in his church, they created, they created these types of waxes and stuff, and they use them, and now it's the number one wax used for surfboards and stuff all around the world, it comes, comes out of their church. And he gives a story after story of concepts, ideas that are dropped, literally dropped by Holy Spirit into their hearts, and that they go out and they do that thing that they're passionate about, and then they use it for the glory of God. That's what God wants to release on this earth. And I love it when I see Christians doing that. I love it when they see that the areas and the dreams that they have have been given to them by God. And they're not looking for it to have to be some super spiritual thing. If it's not about bre- preaching and teaching, then it can't be God. No, I think it's, I mean, God wants to infiltrate every area of life. He wants the, the business world, the, the commercial world. He wants the Christians in the creative world, and the media. He wants, them in the, he wants us in all the mountains of society. And he wants us to impact them with the, with the incredible passion of the things that have gripped our heart. Well, how do we know that people will do those things with the right heart? Because if their delight is in Him, then God can give them the desires of their heart. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite you up to prayer here in a second, but I just want to put one more thing up on the screen here. We used to have this painted on the wall. Might get it back up there again. But we found it a little hard to try and paint around the letters, so we, we went over them and we changed the color. And uh, but Ephesians 3:20 has always been my life verse. This is my passion, this is my heartbeat, this is what I, I think of whenever I hear of the Word of God in any context. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, everybody say, exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly, abundantly above, above all that we ask, ask. or think. think according to the power that works in us. to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ask, or in the King James, it says even imagine. Imagine. Whew. I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot. And God can do even more. God can do even more. And I think that the only thing that holds us back is a view of God that's just not accurate. A view of God that, that sees all of these ideas and everything as, as being either, uh, you know, limited by myself or the genius of myself. And neither one of those things are true. You need to take the limits of yourself off and see that God can do anything through you. And then you need to recognize when it comes that it's the genius of Holy Spirit and not you. Do you see what I mean? Both are true. You need to lift off the limitations because God can do anything He wants through you. And you need to also see that when He does, it's genius of Holy Spirit working in you and not you. Am I making any sense to anybody? So I want you all to stand with me together this morning. Last night, and I'm going to ask all the leaders to come on up here. We had an elders and staff meeting last night. And I, I said I wanted them to, uh, to pray over all of you today. I believe there's an enormous amount of dreams in this room and I believe that God's vision for the kingdom is huge as we've talked about for weeks and that his vision can only be fulfilled by people who have dreams right God wants us to open our hearts and to dream with him again some of you may have had things happen in your life which have shut down your dreams you've been discouraged. You've had uh, financial difficulties. You've had bankruptcies. You've had, you know, losses of, of businesses. You've had, uh, you know, people who have come against you, people who have, uh, you know, rained on your parade, so to speak, who have shut you down, all kinds of things. And, and you've, you've, you've said, I don't know, it's just too hard to, to do the things that, that, that I believe God wants me to do. And so you've gotten discouraged. And in discouragement, you've backed away. And God says, don't allow discouragement to keep you from what I want to do. You know, if you have a real vision of what God wants you to do, then you get up and you go at it again. You get up and you go at it again. You get up and you go at it again. I love inspiring stories of people who do that. And one of my favorites was Abraham Lincoln. The guy went bankrupt twice, lost two businesses And how many times he ran for public offices? What, five, six he ran for offices and he lost all these different elections and all the rest of it. And he lost even to be vice president. And then when he ran for president, he finally won. When he ran for the big enchilada, when he ran for the biggest dream, that's the one he actually won. He'd failed almost every time before that. You just read it. You just get a, look it up online. You can read. How many things the guy worked at and attempted and tried to do and failed, 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 failed. failed. But he didn't quit. And he became probably... Uh, one of the most influential presidents in American history. Literally shifted the nation. Shifted the nation. He was the one who signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation. The setting at liberty those who had been slaves. Declaring their freedom from coast to coast. This is what we can do when we get a hold of God. So I would like to ask first, children, you guys just stay right where you are. You're perfect, right where you are. That's awesome. I'll do that when we're done. And um, I would like everybody to come on up to the front. If you've got a dream, if, if, there's, if you know there's stuff that God has for you to do or, or you're just, you even want to know what God wants you to do, if, if you are listening to this this morning and say, I want the dream in my spirit to be stirred up and I want to see it come to pass, I want you to get up here right now. I want you to come past the kids and stand in between them And us right now and come on, don't be don't be shy. I believe there's hundreds of dreams that God wants to activate in this place this morning. Hundreds of dreams that He wants to activate. Amen. As a staff, we believe in dreaming. Barry wrote a book he released what uh, a year and a half ago, and it's Wake Up Into Your Dream. If you don't have a, a copy of this book, if you haven't got one, Barry and Tammy, they want to sew one into you this morning, they're up here on the table, we want you to take one home with you, and uh, we want you to read it because we believe that the words that are in here are, are a further extension of what I'm talking about this morning, that God has placed dreams in the hearts of his people sometimes they start as a little small bud but as we get to know him and we know his vision the dreams grow and they grow and they grow and God wants us to live out those dreams and there's those dreams can be uh, things regarding ministry but they can be so much more than that there's every aspect of the world that he wants us to penetrate with his love and with his mercy and with his creative spirit and I believe that there are things that we're we're sitting on that God wants to do so much more through us. And so this morning, we're going to do our best to pray for you all. That's why I had them all come up, because I know there's a lot. Now, what I'd like you kids to do, if you're standing here this morning, you see your parents up here, I want you to go and stand with your parents this morning. So find your moms and dads and go stand with them right now. Kids that are in primary department, you got kids in primary department, I want you to hold your hands up right now because those kids are going to be let out soon and we want to pray for you first, okay? So hold those hands up. You see those hands? Those are the people we're going to go, and we're going to attack you first, all right? So uh, so keep those hands up, because we're going to pray for you first, so that you kid, you guys can gather your kids, and the people in the uh, other end of the building who are looking after those primary kids aren't there until, you know, afternoon. So uh, we want to honor you, and we want to pray for you guys first. So uh, as we start to pray, just keep those hands up. We'll find you. We'll come and pray with you. Children, what I want you to do is when we're praying with your mom and dad, I want you guys to pray for your mom and dad too. I want you to agree with us in prayer so that you agree with mom and dad for the things that are in their hearts and the desires in their hearts. And then I'm going to get mom and dad to pray over you guys that your, your dreams and your passions are going to grow uh, in the love and in the community of your family. God's going to grow those dreams in your heart. Amen. And so we're going to pray for you guys today. So Father, today we thank you. We thank you that Lord, you had a vision for this world and you created us as your stamp of glory and released us into this environment, into this place, this place called earth. And you put us here, Father, uh, as a demonstration of your glory and of your incredible creative uh, uh, genius. And Lord, we are all a picture of your glory. We're all stamped in your image. We are a wonderful proclamation of the majesty of God. And, Father, and that means that, Lord, the creativity of God lives in every one of us. There are things that are in our spirit, dreams and visions and passions that we have, that, Father, I believe you want to help us bring them to pass. And, Father, they can be in diverse areas, and, Father, diverse, uh, uh, Lord, uh, areas of our world and mountains of our world that, as God, we can possibly imagine. You want to do a work in those. And so, Father, as we pray today, as we take those dreams and we hold them up before you, Lord, this morning, God, we're asking, Father, as the agreement is made between those who've come forward this morning, laying those things before you and us who pray with them that, God, in the place of agreement, God, you're going to begin to release and quicken those dreams in Jesus' name. And we're going to see, God, uh, things over the next weeks, months, even years, Father, things that are going to be birthed in this house, things that are going to come out of this family, Lord, are going to be supernatural and produce tremendous fruit in the kingdom of God. And Father, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So now if you've got those young kids, hold your hands up. We're going to go to you right now and pray with you. And then we'll work around. We'll pray for everybody else as well. So hold, hold those up. Don't go away, anybody. Don't go away.